I would be at my friend's apartment just for a quick dinner and they'd be like, you look so stressed. And it was just because I didn't know how to deal with the guilt of, well, I'm not working 24-7. I'm taking time off. And yet I feel like I still owe people something, even though I gave them 110% of what I already have. NFT art may look like an exciting financial opportunity to collectors, investors, and buyers, but for creatives, developers, and project team members, it requires intense focus, grueling hours, and flawless launch execution. It's an industry that combines artistic talent, technology, and business. Stick around, listeners, because this episode is for anyone who wants to know what it takes to thrive in the intense, competitive, and fast-paced environment of the NFT art space. You're listening to the Sticky Brand Lab Podcast, where time-strapped professionals like you learn how to create a business you love in as little as three hours a week. Selling out your first NFT launch in just hours may sound like a dream come true for a first-time bootstrapped project, and to many NFT entrepreneurs and buyers, it is. But behind the scenes, there's another story happening, and as more people launch their own NFT art projects, we wanted to explore the demands and stress many project teams and individuals are experiencing. But before we do, welcome to Sticky Brand Lab, the podcast where we share essential business tools, shortcuts, and advice from leading entrepreneurs, industry experts, and our own real-world experience. So you can launch your business quickly and without breaking the bank or feeling overwhelmed, because the only thing more empowering than knowledge is being able to take confident, decisive action. We're here today with our returning guest, Christine Gu. Christine is an NFT entrepreneur, artist, and co-founder of Mini Monkey Mafia, which sold out its first project launch of 5,000 pieces in just three hours. But success can come at a price. There's a downside to launching a project, especially when you're a two- to three-person bootstrap team. Drawing upon her own experience, Christine is here to share how the fast-paced, grueling hours and demanding NFT art space impacted her physically, mentally, and emotionally, and what lessons she learned along the way. Her story is a personal how-to guide for entrepreneurial NFT artists, creators, developers, and anyone wanting to stay healthy, happy, and sane in a high-pressure environment. Welcome back, Christine! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're so glad to have you back. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you back is because we've gotten a lot of positive responses from people who've listened to both of your previous episodes with us. We thought it'd be helpful if you could share your experience as a first time NFT entrepreneur and the insights and lessons learned you've gained since your first launch. So for anyone who's thinking about getting into the NFT space and launching their first project, can you tell us how is the NFT business and especially the NFT art business, how is it different from an analog business? The biggest difference is the timeline in which the businesses are created. And I think the best way that I would be able to describe the NFT business is it flips the traditional business model on its head, puts it on crack, and then expects everyone else to follow the same timeline. So with our traditional business, what essentially happens is you have an idea, you start to ideate it, you test that with a couple of users, you see if they like it, and then based off of that response, you make a better product. And it gets to the point where you'll get a lot more of a user base based off of multiple ideations. 
That's not necessarily the case with the NFT business. What I like to see it as on top of the analogy is two separate businesses. I think that could be best divided by pre-launch and post-launch. So pre-launch, you come out with your NFTs. A lot of the times it's an art piece, but the industry is moving towards more things such as subscriptions, music, and so forth. I'm not too familiar with that space. I'm not going to go into it. But essentially with the JPEG or the more artistic NFTs, it's more like you come out with this announcement we have 5,000 NFTs, we have 10,000 NFTs, we have XYZ many NFTs that are dropping on this date. And the whole goal during the time of that announcement, or even before when you start to like make all the art, up until launch is selling out. But selling out doesn't necessarily mean that you have a product with a strong utility. And that's part two of the NFT business. All of a sudden, you have this entire community, but it's very loosely tied together. They might like the art. They might like certain pieces of your roadmap, which is kind of just like the business plan of your NFT. And they might like a couple of connections that they make within your Discord, Twitter, or any other social media platform that you have made. But there isn't necessarily a product that really brings them together. And I think the problem with that is you have such a wide cast net of an audience, but it's not necessarily an audience that has grown with you and grown by your side as you were ideating your product. It's mainly people from all different walks of life, all trying to come together and see what product can we make for this community now. So I think the biggest thing that differentiates the NFT business from a traditional business model is the fact that it really warps the entire timeline of what it means to build a business on its head. Wow. You know, there's a lot of information especially recently in the news about the other side, the buyer, the investor, the collector, and how people are making money and they look at the teams or the projects and they're talking about it from that standpoint. And this, we thought, was a very important topic because it goes behind the scenes. So what were the challenges you and your co-founder expected might happen when you launched your first art project? And what actually were the unanticipated challenges that showed up? So post-launch, I think my co-founder and I came in with a good number of expectations. And while I won't give the name of this person, is someone that I do look for both as a friend, as a mentor, because they did launch their own NFT collection. That being said, they gave us a lot of really great pointers about what to look forward to. So in terms of post-launch, my co-founder and I were pretty much expecting a lot of negative backlash if we weren't going to come up with products right away. We were expecting a lot more pressure and we were expecting that this trajectory was going to change a lot because back Back then, we united the community for launch in order to sell out. But now we've got to find another way to net the community based off of how do we create something for them. So I think those are things that we definitely expected. But the unanticipated things ended up being what actually caused a lot of my own burnout. So as an artist, I was ready to get down and pretty much just create another whole collection, whether it be for babies, mecha monkeys, and so forth. What we didn't expect was a slow trajectory of how many hats we were going to wear and where that ended up taking me. So a little backstory, because we are a team of two, and because my co-founder and I both have a ton of projects outside Mini Monkey Mafia and a ton of other responsibilities, we can't be on the Discord focusing on everything 24-7. Like, it's just not plausible. And so we would switch off here and there, where in the beginning, it was more he was on the Discord, and as we got more to the end, I was in the Discord more. So I was taking on a larger role in community. And at first, that was okay, but I think the expectations started to get more and more. It got to a point where 
I was expected to be the one to give quote unquote hot takes on social media. And I was expected to be the one that went out and did all these talks and press and whatnot. And for me, as someone that prefers to keep my life private, as someone that is a bit more introverted, it caused me a lot of stress just to get up on stage pretty much every other day and talk about my experiences, which I want to keep private within my own circles. And then on top of that, it was this constant pressure of need to be more transparent. You guys need to come out all the time and be talking to the community, which to a point, I think the community should know what we're working on because they did invest in us. But to the point of getting into my personal life and asking me to go beyond my bandwidth and still saying that I wasn't doing enough, it was a lot of stress on me because if you tell me to work 10 hours just doing art, completely fine with that. I'll go to sleep happy. I can sleep at night. But telling me to go out and expecting me to be pretty much like the face of Mini Monkey Mafia and having that type of responsibility, I never wanted to be the face or like the poster child of this NFT. And so that caused me an immense amount of stress. And it even got to a point where despite the fact that so many people are telling me, we love the way that you explain this project, we love your voice, I started to hate my voice more than anything. And it got to a point where I was like, I need to take a step back because if I can't sustain myself, there's no way I can sustain this project. <laughs> that sounds actually quite plausible when you describe your daily routine and having to show up when that's not in your nature, whereas opposed to designing is something that's inherent and you're in the flow and you can spend a lot of time with. In listening to it, it reminded me of when you think of actors and musicians and fans now not just loving the music, but wanting to know more about what's happening. And then you have paparazzi that follow them. And then you have critics that make yeah. personal attacks on them. Yeah. It moves from professional to personal. Yes. And while your project, Mini Monkey Mafia, was the success, I would think that the same thing happens for projects in which it wasn't as successful. Yes. Absolutely. I think the thing about Web3 is you do get a closer relationship with the founders. And I want to clarify before I go any further, this wasn't all negative. My co-founder and I made the decision for me to come out in the beginning as someone that could be the face of the project. We just didn't expect it to get to the point that it did. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the beginning, like establishing that culture within the Discord, making those connections, even having people say like, I have kids, they really look up to you as an artist and as a businesswoman is something that I'm super, super grateful for. And that wasn't the cause of my burnout. It was mainly just when I did my best at the end of the day and I'm still getting messages like, you need to do more hot takes, you need to come out more, you need to share more about your personal life people deserve to know what's going on behind the scenes and i'm like i'm studying for a final <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys don't need to know that because right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm still a college student and it got to the point where like i felt like i couldn't have any leisure time I'm not a college student like that goes out and parties. Like it's just not my thing. But I would feel guilty just going out for a coffee because I wasn't sharing that with the community or I wasn't giving that to the community. But certain people were expecting me to come out like that to a point where I would be at my friend's apartment just for a quick dinner and they'd be like, you look so stressed. And it was just because I didn't know how to deal with the guilt of, well, I'm not working 24-7. I'm taking time off. 
And yet I feel like I still owe people something, even though I gave them 110% of what I already have. Before I go any further, I do want to clarify, none of this was caused by my co-founder. I think we have a very, very open communication style. I'm very grateful. And I think I wouldn't have been able to get to the point that I am now in terms of getting a lot better without his support. I want to make that super clear. So how else did that pressure and stress take its toll on you? Physically, it caused a ton of anxiety. Like I said before, I never wanted to be the public face to the point that it did. I think I was fine being the person that people can rely on in the community, the person that people can DM every once in a while and talk about ideas or like even what they wanted out of the project. But I wasn't ready to be the person that was always going on. By the way, before I say this, I love this podcast. This is why I'm back. But I wasn't ready to be the person that was going to go on like every single podcast and write every single article and do every single interview. That was never my intention with Mini Monkey Mafia. At first, when it came to those press releases, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. But I would stay up all night, like couldn't get any sleep because of how stressed I was. And then that would go into my performance the next day. And then on top of that, that took a toll, like all my grades, my relationships and so forth. And then it got to a point where when I get stressed, I don't eat. Mm. My appetite just shuts down. So even when I was looking at the scale, I realized I'd lost like 15 pounds just within a month because of how stressed I was. It got to a point where I literally just texted my co-founder. I was like, hey, I cannot keep doing this. We need to talk Mm -hmm. right now. Because it had gotten to that point where I was not getting more than like four hours of sleep a night. And then I also wasn't eating. And I was still trying to run this thing full time. I have an internship on the side and Mm. I'm a full-time student. And I'm also on the board for a bunch of clubs. And I was like, this is not sustainable Mm -hmm. at all. It sounds a lot like you went from stress to like over the top kind of... Uber stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not only does it take its toll on you physically and mentally because you're not sleeping, you're not eating, concentration is challenging. So from that perspective, how do you handle or deal with stress, not only as it was increasing, but also on launch day and afterwards? I end up numbing myself out when I get stressed. And Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm taking any substances or anything. I just get to a point where I can't feel anything, period. And so it got to a point where like, even if I was sad or I was supposed to be happy, I couldn't feel any of that. And I think that's when I started to get really, really anxious about myself because when you can't feel, you don't know who you're impacting. Even if I was negatively impacting someone, I personally knew I wouldn't be able to feel that because I was so numb. And so I think when that started happening, I was like, oh, shoot, this is going to start impacting all my other relationships. And there's no way I can put that on the line, whether it be my co-founder or my friendships outside of this project or anyone in between. And so I think it was a mixture of that not sleeping and then also having a hard time eating where I was just, I have to tell someone something. I think what slowly helped get it better was one, I was pretty aware of the situation because there's been a couple times in my life in the past where I've gone to this extent, but I don't think I've reached out for help. And I think I've gotten to a point now where I know that if I'm going through something, it's best to reach out to help, especially if someone else is in a better situation. And so for me, I think what helped a lot is because I have, I'm very grateful to have so many friends at my college campus. And I also have my roommates, which I get along really well. It would literally just be me 
instead of studying in my room per se, it would be me studying with one of them. And I'd literally tell them, hey, I'm going through something really stressful. Can you just stay with me for now? And then if I start acting up, call me out right away. Like I will do something about this. And so it was kind of just making sure that I was in the environment where I was constantly held accountable. So even if I couldn't feel anything at that moment, someone else could, they could give me those data points. With wisdom, now that you've gone through this to gain this wisdom, I would think that you probably have some hindsight. And with that hindsight, what would you do differently? Right away, I'd be setting a lot more strict boundaries and expectations. I think as much as what happened within the past few months did frustrate me quite a bit and burnt me out to a very great extent, I think I could have set a lot more clear boundaries and expectations and said something like, hey, I'm able to do this within my bandwidth within this amount of time but I cannot go above and beyond and fulfill all these expectations that you think I should be doing just because I show up with a happy face to these interviews. I'm more than happy to sound happy when it comes to replying to press releases and whatnot. For me, it was just understanding myself more, but you can only learn that in hindsight. Like I don't think I would have known what my limits were if I wasn't pushed to them. So I guess that's the silver lining in it. But looking back, I think if I knew myself a lot better, it would be mainly just... I can do this. I'm able to do this within this type of timeline. And these are the boundaries and expectations I'm setting for both everyone I'm working with and myself. What makes this interview so important and your message and experience and your willingness to share it, which by the way, thank you so much for doing because what is happening in the news is people are talking about all of the positive that happens for collectors Mm -hmm. and buyers and sellers and projects and the notoriety, but not a lot, if any, that I've seen so far has talked about the toll it takes on those project teams. And having some insight, even expectations for anybody who's listening, who wants to start their own NFT project, this can be really helpful. So based on your experience, what recommendations, tips, or tools would you suggest for anyone wanting to mitigate the pressure that comes inherently with starting an NFT art project? Absolutely. I think one thing is establishing very clear boundaries and expectations. And that comes with knowing what you want. Because before I came to my co-founder, I literally wrote out, where do I see myself as a person in the next couple of years. And I personally didn't see myself as someone that was a public figure. I just wanted to be a designer. And so I think my expectations from that going forward was I can still talk to the community if they want to connect with me via Twitter. Sometimes on the Discord, I'll still pop in every now and then. And if they want to connect with me on my other social media, more than happy to do so. But my main goal is a designer. So how do we make a environment for me to hone down and double down on those skills that I like a lot. I think another aspect is just getting a second opinion. I think one of the biggest issues that I run into, especially in this Web3 space, is it is kind of like an echo chamber. So you talk to people in Web3 and they're basically just like, we love working 24-7. It's always so fast-paced. And I was like, this is BS. Like, <laughs> you guys need to sleep. So I think having good people around you in the Web3 space is important because then you get a lot of more insightful takes. But at the same time, I would also suggest reaching out to friends, 
family or even like a therapist if you have one to get that third party opinion on what you should be doing. For me, it was mainly just reaching out to friends and most of my friends aren't in tech. So getting that completely not in the space opinion was really, really valuable because then they were like, yo, you're crazy for working this amount, sleeping like three hours, hardly even eating. And yet you're giving up so much of yourself. And what are you getting for yourself? Mm -hmm. Having that type of support and having that type of honesty between people is really, really important going forward. Did you do meditation, nature walks? Did you do anything that kind of brings some health, relaxes your mind, your body, anything Mm -hmm. like that? So I've been trying meditation. I think I'm still pretty fidgety. And I think meditation has helped a lot just because it does force you to sit with your thoughts. And on most days, I still have a pretty difficult time to be honest, but on some days you get into this flow of your thoughts are just there to pass. And I think those are the best days. Other than that, I do try to take walks pretty much every day in the morning. I'll wake up early. And it originally started because I couldn't sleep. But at this point, I think I'm doing a lot better health-wise. But I do try to wake up early. It's just like go on a walk. And it's very peaceful. It's quiet. I'll play some music in the background just to get everything flowing. Out of those, or maybe there's something else. What is your favorite way to decompress after a grueling day? Being able to talk everything out with friends. I'm very grateful that my roommates and I all pretty much share the same lifestyle. So at the end of the day, we'll basically just catch up with each other. And I think that's something that's helped me a lot because then you get to hear there's so many things going on outside of your life. You get to hear whatever other people are doing. And you also get to hear like their perspective of what's going on in your life. I think that's really important if a person doesn't have a natural connection, a partner, friends that they're with, then getting on the phone or probably is much more natural than Mm -hmm. texting. Although texting is really important. When you have the ability to articulate your voice, Mm -hmm. you hear things that are coming out of your mouth that give you insight. Mm -hmm. So I think the message of I talk to people and not using text messaging or other social platforms Mm, really is a significant recommendation. So thanks for that. And thank you, Christine. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest here today. If someone wants to learn more about you or learn more about your experience, as well as your artwork or Mini Monkey Mafia, where should listeners go and how can they connect with you? Yes, the uh, mini monkeys are linked to my portfolio, which you can see at christinegu.com, C H R I S T I N E G U.com. In terms of social media, I connected a lot of people on Twitter. So you can follow me at C H R 15 T I N E underscore G U. I placed the IS in my name with a 15. So that's C H R 15 T I N E underscore G U. And that's the main place where I can connect with people. Other than that, everything else and all my past work is on my portfolio. So you want to check out my previous work as a product designer or as an NFT artist, it's all there as well. That's great. And thank you so much, listeners, for listening to this episode. We hope it makes all the difference in you getting started on your side business so you can create your best and most exciting life. Not sure how to turn your idea into a profitable side business? Contact us at stickybrandlab.com forward slash contact. 
We'd be happy to help you. If you found the information shared here today helpful, let us know by posting here where you're listening or on our Facebook page. This way we can learn more about your business goals and ideas, as well as send you love, encouragement, and congratulate you on the amazing and courageous decision you've made. Be sure to come back next Tuesday and every Tuesday for another informative, inspiring, and motivating episode. And remember, action creates results. So tap into your desire to create a business and brand you love by taking 1% action every day. Small steps, big effects. Do you have questions about creating a personal brand, side hustle, or small business? Sign up for one of our Clarity Sessions. For more information, contact us at stickybrandlab.com forward slash contact. happens before I start recording. Yes, but we didn't have that going on. So it feels natural that you would get tongue tied right here. (laughs) Yep.